You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Speculation grows that the Solaragate threat actors were also behind the Mimecast compromise. Solar Leaks says it has the goods taken from FireEye and SolarWinds, but caveat emptor. Notes on Patch Tuesday. Joe Kerrigan has thoughts on a WhatsApp ultimatum. Our guest is Andrew Chung of O1 Communique with an update on quantum computing. And farewell to an InfoSec good guy. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, January 13th, 2021. According to the Wall Street Journal, well-informed observers are moving toward the view that the threat actors responsible for the SolarWinds compromise are also likely to have been behind the Mimecast certificate incident. The journal puts it, quote, The Mimecast hackers use tools and techniques that link them to the hackers who broke into Austin, Texas-based Solar Winds Corporation, according to people familiar with the investigation, end quote. Mimecast had been a SolarWinds customer, but not recently, and apparently not within the period in which its own certificate became compromised. How Mimecast was hit remains unknown, and the journal's anonymous sources appear to have reached their tentative conclusion on the basis of TTP similarities alone. Acting CISA Director Wales thinks more U.S. federal agencies will find themselves affected by the SolarWinds supply chain compromise, CyberScoop reports, so other shoes may remain to drop. Some, let us presume, loser, or more probably, crew of losers, presenting their own cell for selves as the threat actor responsible for the SolarWinds compromise is out there online under the hacker name SolarLeaks. SolarLeaks is offering SolarWinds product source code, all including Orion plus customer portal dump, for just a quarter of a million dollars. And FireEye private red team tools, Source code, binaries, and documentation for another 50 grand. Or you can get both, plus an unspecified whole shebang of stuff they're still sorting through for the low, low price of a cool million Yankee dollars. Come on, Huggy Bear is on vacation and we've all gone crazy. Serious buyers only, says they. So hop to it, wealthy elite. Or not. Do we really need to say that there's a greater chance your Aunt Matilda has the winning Powerball ticket? then that solar leaks really has these or any other goods. But seriously, forget Powerball and Aunt Matilda for now. Bleeping Computer says it tried to contact solar leaks through the contact email address the offer provided, but there was no joy there. 
Whether the solar leak site is what it purports to be remains unconfirmed, as does whether it actually has any of the stolen files it mentioned in its offer. The solar leak's domain is registered through Enjala, a registrar favored by Russian intelligence services. There's a certain similarity also between the diction in the solar leak's come on and what we're familiar with from the shadow brokers. To be sure, Solar Leak's lingo isn't the full-on scriptwriter Hekawi favored by the shadow brokers, but it does have a mannered uncertainty about tents and articles that is vaguely reminiscent of the brokers. What's missing from the Solar Leak's offer, of course, is a promise of delivering files from U.S. government agencies known to have been compromised. And to be sure, there's nothing out there offered as a sample. Sure, Solar Leak's did say that nothing in this life is free, but that's what you'd say if you were bluffing, too. Anywho, here are some of the likelier possibilities. First, solar leaks could be a poseur, and this has two sub-possibilities. Solar leaks is either a grifter trying a long-shot con in order to make a few bucks from the curious, the gullible, or the self-important, or they're just some collection of skids rattling the internet's cage for the lulls. Either one of these is possible. Second, solar leaks could be for real, and they could represent a cyber gang who prepped and executed the supply chain campaign with the intention of monetizing it. This is possible, but seems unlikely. For one thing, it shows more patience than crooks normally display. For another, it's not clear how the stuff known to have been stolen could be readily monetized. If they really were aiming at theft of something, they could easily cash out. This seems like a lot of trouble to go to just to pick up a lot of fulls you could hawk in a carding forum. So, not too likely. Third, solar leaks could be for real and represent a misdirection effort by a member of Huggy Bear's brood. Recall that Russian influence operations historically tend to aim at increasing the adversary's friction. They're disruptive, not constructive, entropic, not ordered, and this kind of thing is just more friction. It's like sending Kevin Mandia a postcard to dunk on FireEye. This seems a real possibility. Fourth, solar leaks could be for real, but its purpose is just to crow, as if that postcard to fire eyes Mandia the FBI is looking at was really done to count coup. Mm, maybe, but whooping it up seems more cowboy than Cossack, so probably not. Finally, solar leaks could represent misdirection by some other hitherto implicated nation-state. Again, maybe, but that really is a priori speculation. If we had to bet, we'd go for door number one or door number three, but that's our own a priori speculation. Yesterday's Patch Tuesday saw software updates from several companies, including SAP, who released 10 security notes, seven of which represented updates to earlier fixes. Adobe, whose security bulletins addressed Adobe Photoshop, Illustrator, Animate, Campaign Classic, InCopy, Captivate, Bridge and Microsoft, which according to Security Week, dealt with 83 issues, 10 of them critical, one of which is undergoing active exploitation. One of Microsoft's patches addresses a Windows Defender flaw, and the Zero Day Initiative speculates in its Patch Tuesday summary that this particular issue was exploited in the Solorigate cyber espionage campaign. We end today on a sad note. The information security world lost one of its own this month. Jonathan Kleinsma, most recently head of threat research at RiskIQ, and a friend of this show, lost his life to cancer last Wednesday. He was just shy of his 30th birthday, taken far too soon. 
We wish him peace and his family consolation. He'll be missed. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program, quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. You can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. CyberWire daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com slash cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash cyber. In the dynamic world of enterprise security, identity architects and IT leaders face a major challenge. Growth by repeated acquisitions multiplies the complexity of everything. Multiple IDPs, MFA providers, policy engines that all need to coexist. This can lead to fragmented user identities and policies that create security vulnerabilities and add access friction. Strata Identity solves this. Now you can decommission unneeded IDPs and consolidate the ones you'd like to keep without rewriting apps or disrupting users, engineers, and app owners. Plus, Strata's modular architecture makes it easy to integrate with any identity provider without manual maintenance and coding. Join the ranks of cybersecurity leaders using Identity Orchestration, Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your top identity security priorities, and receive a pair of complimentary AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Step into a new era of identity management at strata.io slash cyberwire. Our guest today is Andrew Chung, CEO of Zero One Communique, a company that's developing a number of post-quantum cryptographic systems for security. Andrew, welcome to the CyberWire. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Before we dig into uh, the details of, of uh, some, some of the goings-on when it comes to post-quantum uh, cryptographic systems, can you give us a, a little of the, the backstory and, and sort of where we stand today? What, what, what is the significance of when, when we're talking about quantum computing? Why is that important? Yeah, well, that's a very good question. So uh, quantum computing can be explained in a layman term as a, an extremely fast computer, we're talking about millions times faster than a conventional supercomputer. You're not talking about 100 times faster, you're talking millions times faster. It would um, render traditional encryption useless because they can compress the uh, over a century time needed 
to kind of hot cracking and encryption in use today to become just a few seconds. So that's the 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 problem um, a quantum computer is uh, having uh, on the, uh, the the bedrock of of cybersecurity today, and we are providing the shield, you know, or you can call the uh, the, the quantum safe encryption to withstand that excessive computing power. Do you find that, that there's some some skepticism from people that this is going to happen so quickly? It it seems to me as though um, there's a there's a sense that uh, it's it's always a little bit off in the future. You know, no matter when you ask. Exactly. You know, this is just like any. I think we are we are writing one of those best example like COVID. You know, people ignore it until it happens. And uh, mm-hmm. this is we are human being, and um, the human being tend to be like that when they see a problem. They say, "Oh, you know, I'll act when it is here." But this is a a, a very serious issue because when it comes, right, it's not like overnight you can convert your system to be become quantum safe. It takes time to to do it. And even more scary is that hackers today they can grab your data. Well, your data today is encrypted, so even they grab your data, it's meaningless. That's okay. They can grab your data, but then they just simply put it aside and wait until after Q-Day to decrypt your stuff, right? So so the protection mm-hmm. should already be, be, be protected today, not on Q-Day or even shortly before Q-Day. And it, it's very scary. The only fact that, that, that people know is that they are many nation, many nations are also pouring billions and billions dollars in the quantum computing research and um, they won't tell you what they have it's very very scary marching from here between now and q day right all right well andrew chung thank you so much for joining us my pleasure And joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Also my co-host over on the Hacking Humans podcast. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. Uh, interesting uh, story from Ars Technica. This is written mm-hmm. by Dan Gooden. Uh, and it's titled, WhatsApp Give Users an Ultimatum. Share data with Facebook or stop using the app. Isn't that what do you think nice? about this? Because, uh, <laughs> you know, I thought to myself, I'll bet Joe has thoughts on this. So, yeah. uh, Joe, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I have been uh, on the verge of wanting to delete my Facebook account for so long. Um, hmm. And this kind of behavior is is exactly why. Facebook bought WhatsApp, I think, back in 2014 mm-hmm. uh, for a large sum of money. WhatsApp right. was an or is an end-to-end encryption communication app, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. once I got acquired by Facebook, of course, everybody was like, well, that's the end of that. And it turns out, well, yeah, that is the end of that. Um, it only took a few years. It, only t- it just took a little while. Um, but now they have these terms of service, TOS, that if you don't agree to them by February, it will not let you continue to use the app. So the data that WhatsApp collects includes your phone number, other people's phone numbers stored in your address books, profile names, pictures, Status messages, uh, including what the user when the user was last online, right? Diagnostic hmm. data uh, collected from the log apps. I actually don't have a problem with that one. That one's actually kind of important for from a development standpoint. 
But under the new terms, Facebook reserves the right to share collected data with, quote, its family of companies. <laughs> right? That's a big family. That is a big family. And you're not going to have the choice of that anymore. So until recent or until next month, that data has always been separated from the vast pile of Facebook data. After next month, it will be integrated into it. Uh, mm -hmm. And if you don't agree to that, you can't use the service anymore. Right. Uh, there is another article on The Verge that is uh, interesting. It says, Signals sees surge in new signups after boost from Elon Musk and WhatsApp controversy. <laughs> so <laughs> users are evacuating WhatsApp and heading over to Signal. Uh, in fact, I signed up for Signal today uh, because yeah. I didn't use it before, but I, I probably should have been. I'd been using Telegram as my uh, my end-to-end -end encryption messenger service. Yeah. Uh, but Signal, I think, has uh, is better, and it's it doesn't collect any data at all. It's run by a foundation. It's supported by donations. Uh, I like that model a lot better for communicating securely. Uh, that's, I think, the the better way to go. Yeah. This this whole thing, though, Dave, there there's been talk in Washington about about breaking up some of these large tech giants like Facebook and Google. Right. Um, you know, I don't know about, uh, or I guess Alphabet. It wouldn't be Google. Yeah. I don't know about about Alphabet, um, but I think it might be time to break up uh, Facebook. And this is just my opinion, not the opinion of my employer or any anybody else. This is solely mm -hmm. Joe Kerrigan's opinion. Mm -hmm. But I think that Facebook is a company that we need to actually look at that uh, from a consumer protection standpoint and make sure yeah. that, I mean, because the, the amount of data that they're collecting about people is staggering. Uh, and the, the ways they're collecting it is also staggering. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's... Uh... I think the thing that gets my goat is that they there's no granularity here. It's all or nothing. You either right. share share it all or just okay, fine, <laughs> go away. You know, right. we, we, if we're not going to let us do this, we don't want you. Right. Well, um, guess what? I think I think Mark that you're uh, you're about to lose me. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm sure he'll still he'll lose sleep over yeah, it, Joe, lose just sleep like he did when I when I shut right. down my Facebook account. But another, I mean, you know, you he'll cry himself to sleep on his pillow stuffed with billion dollar bills. <laughs> right, right. I, you know, even if you're not on Facebook anymore, they still track you. They do. You know, they Absolutely. still track you around the web. So, yep. I mean, I think you're right. I think there's a case to be made for breaking up some of these uh, big tech co companies. But I also think there's a case to be made for giving users control of this information um, in a much more meaningful way. So hopefully we'll see some political will uh, in the coming years or <laughs> hopefully sooner than later Yeah, uh, that we can get control of this for ourselves, that all this information can't just be shared around without us. It, let, it, let us opt in. Uh, right. if, in the very least, let us opt out. <laughs> Yes. Without without having to not use the anyway, I'm I'm rambling. Everybody knows what I mean here. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's frustrating though. It's it's. Can you tell it's frustrating, Joe? Can you it tell? It is frustrating, it's frustrating. And I can tell. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Joe Kerrigan, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Dave. And that's The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Share the wonder. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. 
The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Tina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Tomorrow.